Okay, MKFM, uh, Alex from The Right Place is joining us, and we're going to be talking about, uh, well, Alex, what are you an expert in, apart from being a landlord, right? Not a great deal, <laughs> but it's the one thing I am an expert in. So, um, yeah, hello, Neil. Uh, good to see you again. You um, too. Uh, yeah, I've been a landlord for 22 years, um, my whole working life, in fact, and uh, it's a, a career that I um, approached very much as a career, as a profession, um, right from the word go. So I do class myself as a professional landlord with 22 years uh, experience. So you know, with, with with 22 years under your belt, you learn a thing or two. Um, but uh, in, in that time, I've also um, become the founding chairman of Milton Keynes Private Landlords Association, a title that I still hold. Uh, so I, uh, I'm used to representing landlords on a, on a local level. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I, I've learned a lot just throughout my career, but I've learned a lot by working with an awful lot of landlords during my career as well. And that, that uh, takes us nicely, actually, into our first question for you, uh, which is about motivation for becoming a, a landlord. Now, talk to us more about being an accidental landlord. I mean, have you inherited a property, first uh, of all? No, I haven't. You Thankfully, haven't. I haven't lost anyone um, to inherit it from. Um, but uh, no, like I said, I actually started out uh, pursuing it as a, as a career. Uh, so uh, I had a... a um, a, a career plan, a career strategy. Um, so now I started acquiring properties um, straight from from the get go. Um, but the accidental landlord is a term that sort of come about in the last ten years or so, uh, which really relates to people who didn't become a landlord with the intention of becoming a landlord, but perhaps mm. of becoming a landlord as a result of their personal circumstances. Like you said, inheriting a property. Um, but really it was uh, at the start of the credit crunch where people were finding that they, in order to move on, they were struggling perhaps to sell their home mm. um, and, and found that actually what they'd do is they'd, they'd let it um, and you know perhaps even release some money from it in order to move on and, and, and buy their next home uh, and continue to let it out. And you know, an awful lot of those accidental landlords perhaps didn't intend to... Um, be landlords for a, a long time um, but it, over the last 10 years it's the, the demographic of landlords has changed quite a lot and you know there are probably over half of, of landlords would would be classified or perhaps class themselves as an accidental landlord they didn't get into it for a business or as a retirement planning it was just something that happened as a result of um, of where they found themselves at, at the, that point in their life um, but you know it makes up a, a big big proportion of the private rented sector and I can imagine it's only going to grow as well, really, with the way that the housing market has been quite recently. Um, it depends. Uh, without wanting to be too political, it depends what our political parties really want to do. Because the last couple of years, it's very much felt like uh, they don't want um, individual landlords, um, that they, they really only want to promote big uh, corporate uh, landlords. But, you know, at, at the moment, the, the built-to-rent sector, the corporate um, landlords make up just under 3% of the private rented sector. So 97% is private mm. individual landlords. And it's not forecast to change an awful lot um, over the next uh, five to 10 years. So, you know, we, we, we make up the majority of landlords and the majority of properties in the private rented sector. So... It'd be nice if the government actually acknowledged the, the you know the value that we bring, um, rather than uh, what they have been doing. Do you want to talk any more about uh, you know being an accident landlord? Some of the other ways that that can come about and, and happen, and, and what advice you'd give to people in that position. Um, yeah, well, you started off with a question about motivation for, um, for for becoming a landlord. 
often with the accidental landlords, the motivation wasn't to be a landlord. The motivation was in order to be able to to, to move on. Um, and so often they will uh, have inherited a property, like you said, uh, or they've let because they were unable to sell, uh, as I pointed out. But um, often people that perhaps didn't consider they were becoming uh, landlords uh, are those parents who decided to uh, invest in a uh, in a home for their children when they go to university. Um, you know, if you if you have a, a residential property and you let it out and you receive rent, you are by definition a landlord, and and that brings with it an awful lot of uh, legal responsibilities. Um, but an awful lot of people that have done that have bought for for a child. So sort of, well, yeah, I'm not a landlord. I've just bought somewhere for my child. But you know, then they they share with other people, and you, you are a landlord, not just to your child, but but also to other people's children. Um, but you know, also uh, accidental landlords are created when when people have to move perhaps for for, uh, for work, move, relocate abroad. They don't wish to give up their, their, their family home, um, but they had no intention originally of uh, of letting it. Um, and perhaps if they're moving away for a year or two or five, um, they find they'll let it and then come back to it uh, when they're ready. We touched on uh, investment uh, a, a moment ago. Um, capital growth, I mean, that's quite a, a, a scary word for somebody that's not in the business, I mm. guess, and in generally is, isn't in the business. But I mean, you know... Investment for capital growth. I mean, talk, talk to us a bit more about what that entails and, and, and what it means for, for a landlord. Sure. Um, well, capital growth just simply re- relates to the, the, the growth in the value of the, the house over time. So, you know, in a lot of parts of the, the country, you find that uh, dinner parties um, can be taken over by the discussion of, of house prices. Um, everyone has an opinion, you know, they're going up, down, left, right, whatever. Everyone has an opinion on it. Um, but the reality is, is that... Uh, especially in this country, that um, housing's in short supply. You know, we're a small island. We're not building enough. We haven't been for an awfully long time. So if our population grows, it has been growing steadily for quite some time, um, and, and housing growth doesn't uh, keep pace in that, then there's more demand for that, that thing, that product. Um, and so uh, house prices tend to have an upward trajectory. It doesn't mean they won't go you know, up, down, and bumble along a, bit, a little bit, but uh, they tend to have an upward trajectory. So does inflation. Um, so the reality is, is that house price growth is going to go up, even if it only ever went up with inflation. It's really forecast to only go up for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so if you are actually approaching um, owning a property as a planned investment, then one of the things I always say to people is, what are you actually, what do you want to get out of it? What are you intending to happen? Um, an awful lot of people who do become landlords um, uh, as a planned investment will do it because they're planning for their retirement and they would like to divert some of their money that they might otherwise be spending on holidays or new cars uh, into uh, into property and uh, the growth in that value of that property over time they may look to sell it or release um, funds from it when they retire but they may equally be looking for um, income income from the rent so if the amount of income they're making by the time they retire is quite a lot compared to their outgoings, um, then it's you know, potentially something that could supplement their their retirement uh, income. When you hear about the banknotes and the dollar signs and all the sort of financial side of it, it could be quite appealing. But I mean, what's quite interesting, one of the questions that I have for you is about the time that you can devote to being a landlord. I mean, it's not a part-time job, I guess, is it? Or, or can it be? 
Um, I suppose it can. Again, it depends on on your approach. If if you're if you're doing it as a planned investment, then it, it may well be part of a, a a a wider strategy. So you may be planning to buy a number of properties before you retire, uh, and, and you know how many you buy, where, how much they make you. You know they're the kind of forecasts that you would do based on on actually planning for retirement income. Um, um, but, you know, irrespective of anything, you're going to have to spend some time on it. It might be time um, at the front end, you know, trying to research where you want to buy, what you want to buy, why you want to buy it. Um, but certainly once you become a landlord and you've actually, you know, got tenants, you have a lot of legal responsibilities. And, uh, you know, even if you employ a letting agent, it doesn't absolve you of those legal responsibilities. So you still mm. need to make sure the letting agent you choose is, is doing a good job. So, you know, I've sort of referred to it throughout my career as managing your managing agent agent you know you want a good letting agent a good managing agent who's not going to uh, force you to take an awful lot of time uh, keeping up to speed with what they're doing but you'll always want to have a half an eye on it at the very least um, so yes it can be a part-time thing if, if you perhaps just have one one or two properties um, and they're in an area that's very easy to let out and you've got excellent tenants and you know you're going around there perhaps just three or four times a year to do inspections it's probably a part-time job um, once you get to, you know, four, five or, or more, really, you know, it, it, it can take over your life if you're not careful. Um, and that, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, if you're actually planning uh, to, to, uh, to invest in property. So if you're not an accidental and if you've actually got some time to think about it, it's one of the things you want to think about. You know, how much time do you have to devote to, to this business? Because it's a business like any other. Um, you know, doing viewings, responding to maintenance requests, um, keep on top of the paperwork, yeah. uh, keeping current with, with your responsibilities, with changes in legislation. There's been so many changes in legislation for landlords over the last few years. It sometimes feel like, feels like a, a full-time job just doing that. <laughs> um, so you tend to find that people that uh, um, become landlords because they want to become landlords, you know, genuinely have an interest in, in, uh, in, in property and, and in tenants um, because it can become all-consuming. And, of course, when the boiler goes... Who's the Who first person he gets to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When yeah, when when things go wrong, actually, it's it's, it's funny because um, I often refer to, uh, to ha you know having a good letting agent. I often refer to that as a good insurance policy. Um, you tend to find landlords sometimes say, "Well, you, you don't have to do a great deal of work, do you?" Well, you might not. You know, it might be two or three months where you don't do a great deal. When something happens, and it might just be that your tenant gives notice, and therefore the, the advertising, the marketing, the viewings, all that kind of thing has to kick in. But, you know, there will be points during the year where you do an awful lot of work, and that's when you earn your money. Like an insurance policy, you're paying it, and then when you need it, you want it to deliver. So a good letting agent is there, you know, to deliver at those points during the year where you really do need that help. Something that you're going to be an expert on, Alex, I'm sure, you know, you're not going to fight me on that statement. A uh, high quality letting agent uh, that understands your motivations for being a landlord is is a choice that you've got to make, isn't it? I mean, well, tell us what's involved. Um, well, so this is a statement you're not going to argue with, Alex. Uh, choosing a high quality letting agent who understands your motivations for being a landlord. You'll know all about this. Tell us what's involved. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would refer to a high-quality letting agent as not just someone who, who you know, does a good job as, as a letting agent, but someone who's also a landlord. Because it, it, how do you relate to people and understand their, their fears, what they're really looking for out of the service that you're providing? Um, you know, the way you do that is actually when, when you're one of them. Um, and... Uh, 
you know, there are there are there are letting agents out there who who are also landlords. I, I would actually say if you're going to choose a letting agent, choose a letting agent who's a professional landlord first and foremost. And you're right, I won't disagree with it because uh, I've been a professional landlord all my working life, but I only class myself as a letting agent as well over the last few years. Um, and so, yeah, when it comes to relating to landlords, understanding their fees, knowing precisely what they need to get out of the service that a letting agent provides, I don't need to to ask them to understand them. I'll understand them straight away. I might want to ask them to understand what it is that they really want from us. But, you know, our, our clients, our, our landlord clients, find that they're not having to tell us what to do and how to do it because that's the only way that they can make sure that we understand them. We understand them because we're landlords too and we're professional landlords. So we've been doing it, you know, properly for, for an awfully long time. And some of them, um, they try and go down the cheap route, don't they? They, they try and, you know, <laughs> it's like my, my own property. Uh, you know, everything's been installed by the landlord. I rent, you know, and, and so the shower's not not exactly even and, and things, which are things you can get over to start with. But then as they build, so it's kind of, it's important, isn't it, I guess, to avoid sort of trying to do that cost cutting route. Is that is that correct? Well, the phrase that springs to mind is buy cheap, buy twice. Mm. Um, I, I do say this to people a lot. You know, if, you, if you're investing in property, invest in the property. So, you know, that doesn't stop when, when you've bought it and the solicitor sent you a letter saying there's the keys, you know, you, 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 can, you can take possession of the property. Um, that's when it starts, really. That's the first of your investments. Um, invest into the property, invest in good quality fittings, invest in good quality furniture if you want to furnish it. Do these kind of things because they will pay dividends over time. Apart from the fact that your tenants will probably thank you for it actually, that you know, they, they it's nice to have, you know, live in a nice quality house with good quality decoration and furnishings and carpets and things like that. What you actually find is, is that good quality carpets will outlast cheap carpets uh, two or three times. Mm. Um, same with furniture. but. You've also got to look at what your target market is. For example, if you want to be letting to students, if you live in a, a university town uh, and that's a really healthy market, you have to understand your customer. Uh, and if your customer is likely to be spending an awful lot of time on the sofa, in the bed, in the house, um, then they're there's going to be an awful lot more wear and tear on things like furniture and, and carpets. Um, for someone like yourself who's out at work all day, you know, then... Uh, the investment might be subtly different, um, but you absolutely have to understand who your target market is. Is it working professionals? Is it families? Um, is, is it students? Is it short-term lets? Once you understand all these things, it helps you uh, make the decision of where you should be investing and how much you should be investing and why. But yeah, absolutely, the mantra is your investment doesn't stop once you've bought the house. That's mm. when it starts. That's the first of many investments you'll make. Um, and the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And I've, I've held this attitude um, my whole working life, and uh, I've I found that it's, it's paid dividends for me. On to the next point um, about types of property um, that, that you want to buy. I mean... Uh, yeah, what what are you going to do with 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 your house? I guess. I mean, let's expand on that. You know, vision. I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm talking from the position of, of being a landlord. Okay. So by definition, in order to be a landlord, I need to be renting that property out. But that's not necessarily the only thing that I could be doing with property. So um, the first thing you want to understand is. is you know, if you're, if you're going to invest in a property, why? What do you intend to do with it? People will sometimes say, well, I want to let it out. Well, yes, but is it the right property to be letting out? You, you might find that the perfect property to, to, to let in Milton Keynes, for example, um, is not necessarily going to be the perfect property in order to buy and, and adapt or extend or add value to and sell on. Um, and 
a lot of people will perhaps have the blinkers on when they're looking at buying properties and they'll miss the opportunities of things that they because they're just not considering what other uh, options are, are open to them so um i've been, been investing all my working life and i tend to try and invest with you know both eyes wide open so if i know i'm looking for example to to, to buy a three-bedroom property in, a, in a f- area that's very appealing to families with with good schools um i don't necessarily want to have the blinkers on and ignore the the, the two-bedroom property that's perhaps a little bit dilapidated that needs some attention in an area where i wouldn't otherwise have looked um, to invest. So, yeah, one of the first questions you've got to ask anyone is, well, why do you want to buy this property? What are you intending to do with it? But one of the sub-questions that goes along with that is, how long do you intend to keep it? Because we talked about capital growth in, in, in the first question. Yeah. Um, and people sometimes have the perception that, you know, every property goes up in value every year and it doesn't matter what you buy. It's, well, <laughs> it's not necessarily the case. <laughs> Probably every property goes up in value over long periods of time. Um, but uh, if you're looking to, to, to buy a property to let it out to eventually sell it, you need to be considering that what if your exit strategy is to sell, who are you going to be selling it to? Right. Are they going to want it? I mean, I know it's difficult to say in 30 years who's going to want to buy it. We perhaps can't look that far ahead. But if someone wants to buy it now, they're probably going to want to buy it in 20 or 30 years. Um, if you're looking to buy it, to keep hold of it, perhaps to pass it down you know, to, so that your, your children can inherit it, um, you might be looking for a slightly different property. Mm. Um, if you're looking to buy it to keep it and you, you have perhaps your intention is never to sell it, then you're going to be far more focused on the the income the property will give you, on the rent it will give you versus your costs. Um, So that could steer you down the road of looking at properties that are perhaps a little bit cheaper to buy that appeal to um, to, to younger people so that there's uh, more likelihood of that age range um, renting. You know, I mentioned students in in an earlier question. If you're buying something in, in a university town, you know, is that campus going to be there in 10 or 20 years' time? Good point. You know, things do change. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, or is that area completely saturated? You're going to find that you are one of, uh, you know, thousands of, of landlords of properties that are appealing to, to students um, in that area. So whilst I always like to consider what my exit strategy might be when I'm looking at making an, an investment, I always actually consider a primary, secondary and a tertiary exit strategy because... My primary exit strategy is the one that I would like to happen. The secondary is the one that perhaps is more likely to happen. The tertiary is the one that I know that you know, if push comes to shove, there is there is a, a third alternative. Um, and I think people perhaps often consider investing in property. You know, if they're thinking of investing for property for their retirement, they're saying, "Well, I'll buy it now. I'll retire in twenty years, and then I'll sell it." Right? Why? Why would you want to sell it? There are tax issues uh, associated with selling. There are tax issues associated with uh, holding the property and, and renting out. So you absolutely need to consider these things. Often, it means getting professional advice. In fact, I'd go as far as to say, always, it means getting <laughs> professional advice. And when it comes to professional investment advice, I mean about tax planning, uh, about inheritance planning, succession planning. So not from another landlord, not from a, a, a good letting agent, but actually from an independent financial advisor, someone that specialises in like those kind of um, uh, long-term uh, planning strategies. But if you if you adopt it like that, you find you you know you might refine that way of thinking over time, mm. but you'll have done all the work that you need to do up front. People tend to get caught out. They don't think about it up front, and then they get caught out a few years down the line and think, oh, I'm not sure why, why did I buy this. Things have changed. I don't, yeah. I'm not quite sure what to do with it now. Um, preparation so, is key, isn't preparation, it? Preparation. Have a plan. Yeah. Have a strategy. 
Okay. Hopefully people will be listening to this and thinking, well, I'll develop a plan. I'll develop a strategy. I'll come and talk to Alex. He'll help me develop a strategy. That's a good start. I can't think of a better start, to be honest, Alex. Um, preferred property location. I mean, why is that something we need to consider? Um, well, we're quite lucky in Milton Keynes. Um, you know, fast-growing city, absolutely fantastic place to live. You know, some people might say there's always nowhere in Milton Keynes that, that you, you shouldn't buy. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a fair bit of truth to that. Um, but uh, we started off talking about cattle, capital growth versus mm. income. If you want to invest for capital growth, you will probably buy a different property in a different area of Milton Keynes compared to if you want to invest for income. Mm. Um, Properties in cheaper areas where people want to live, for example, around the city centre, around the hospital, um, around any of the, the the local shopping hubs in Milton Keynes, you know, you'll find that the cheaper properties in those areas will probably give you a better income. But if you're purely looking for capital growth, probably because you're looking to dispose of that property in order to realise the benefits of uh, uh, of that investment, you probably want to be looking at the higher value areas. Mm. It also depends on if you know that you're buying a property because you purely want it for, for, for capital growth over time and you perhaps want to sell it to, to supplement your, your retirement income, um, if you can afford to um, subsidise that property because you're working, that might be saying, oh, I'm looking at that area because even though the rents are pretty low compared to the value of the houses, you know, that area is really desirable. People are always going to want to. There's, there's, there's great schools in that area. So I'm not too worried about whether it makes me a few quid a month or whether it costs me a few quid a month. I'm more interested in the actual growth in capital value over time. Um, and, and that's that's fine to an extent. So what you'll find is that that kind of thinking, that kind of strategy limits your ability to to grow um, because I don't know about you but I've got a certain amount of money left at the end of every month so if I was having to subsidize a, a property I, you know, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't get very far with it so um, often I say to people you know consider what you want to buy first consider why you want to buy it, like who your target market is that will then help you to decide the location that you want to buy um, you know d don't don't perhaps just think oh I can only afford to, to buy an area so I'll buy that that might not be a good way of approaching it right um, uh, you know, so it's it's a holistic thing. It's part of the whole investment strategy. One would buy Milton Keynes. I like to to use the sort of the the the, the cross and the, the the sort of multiplication the plus sign. Now, if you look at map map of Milton Keynes and and use the cross the multiplication sign, you'll find that those corners of Milton Keynes, Stony Stratford, Newport Pagnell, um, like the Shenleys, uh, Caldercotts, uh, those areas, they're areas. That historically have seen good capital growth in Milton Keynes, very desirable nice. areas, got nice quality houses. Yeah. They're suburban, you know, they're they're, they're not round the city centre. Um, they're better for capital growth. But you'll find that the, with the plus sign, everything that sort of goes uh, horizontal, vertically straight through the city centre, you'll find that a lot of those areas actually uh, they're still desirable areas to live, but the house prices are ever so slightly lower. Right. I don't think Milton Keynes was planned that way, <laughs> but that's just the way we've got a big map of Milton Keynes in our office. It's one yeah. of those things that you look at it and you can see straight away the areas that you know uh, give higher capital growth, perhaps lower rental returns versus the ones that give higher rental returns and perhaps um, lower capital growth. In a balanced portfolio, you want a bit of both. Right. Um, but again, it depends what you're doing it, why you're doing it, what time scale you want uh, to, to do it over all things that you need to consider before you think about the property itself. Again, planning. 
It's where it always comes back to planning it at the end of the day, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So what, what's the saying? If you fail to prepare, be prepared to fail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting very deep now on this one, aren't we? Um, target tenant types. Target tenant types is, you know, it's that important part of where you want to buy the property and what kind of property is it. Yeah. Um, I mentioned about you know if you if you buy property in a, in a university town, um, that's and the reason why I use that as an example is, is that's a really obvious example. You know, people say, oh, students will only want to be within walking distance of the campus or you know where all the bars are or where, where all the clubs are. Well, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, <laughs> I was a student myself. I know it's high up on my list of priorities. <laughs> yeah. So um, that will dictate to you um, the location that you want to buy because you know you're catering for a particular type of customer, uh, and that will then probably tell you what size of property you want to buy what style of property you want to buy and how much you want to to spend on it um whereas families yeah i've i've i i want to have only invested in milton Keynes to, to um gear towards families but that's always been my primary focus okay um you know we're a very family orientated town lots and lots of good schools you know everywhere in milton Keynes, really yeah um so it's one of those things that for me families make uh, great tenants they look after properties they want to put down roots um and uh, you know i just i just find it so much easier to deal with family types um but that's just me you know if i was a um you know a young urban professional like you for example Neil, then <laughs> you know i might find it easier to uh, uh, to to relate to sort of young working professionals um and uh, you know, so that, that might steer me towards, well, you know, if a problem occurs, what tenant type am I going to find easier to, to, to deal with and, and therefore have a better outcome to mm. a problem? Um, you know, even if you use uh, a good letting agent like the right place, you know, you might get, end up getting involved in things at some point, you know, because you can't completely remove yourself from the responsibilities of being a landlord. So, you know, if, if you're the kind of person that says, I just, I couldn't deal with 20-year-old, um, you know, people, well, perhaps don't buy a property that's going to attract those kind of tenants because right. you're, you're not the right person to be dealing with that customer. So whatever customer you think you're going to find easy to deal with, perhaps you know steer towards that kind of direction it's common sense it's, it's it's like any branding isn't it you you brand your product towards the demographic that you want to be interested in your product yeah i think uh, I, I think in business one thing that stands for always is customer is king mm. um you know if, if you know the tenants are our customers we, we never lose sight of that tenants are our customers we want to give the customer the best experience we want to give the best customer service um you know we want the customer to have the best product we want the customer to be happy you know uh, absolutely you know a happy tenant is a perfect tenant because people that are unhappy they're not going to remain your customers for mm. long people that are happy they'll be not just long-term customers but they'll be advocates for your brand as well they'll refer you to to other people you know it's really really important i mean i i, I honestly i don't know any professional animals that, that don't get that you yeah know, that we are we've got a product here and we're providing a service um and and I mean, customer expectations nowadays is, is a lot more mm. than when I was a kid. You know, you could probably get away with an awful lot more, um, you know, in the 70s than, well, I know you could, um, than, uh, than, in you know, many than, ways. than you can now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, you know, you've figured it out. You've done what we've said. You've prepared. You've got your plan. You've got your exit strategy. You know who your, your target tenant is. You know where property where the property is, where you want that to be. 
Now the fun part's over, tax. <laughs> yes, oh no, it's it's that horrible, um, it's that horrible thing, really. I suppose in life, uh, you know, the, you know, two things that are, are certain in, in life are death and taxes. But it's one of those Lord. things that, again, if if you ignore the taxation issue, you you will be um, preparing uh, to fail more so now than ever and the, the, the taxation landscape for, for residential landlords has changed massively in mm. the last two years um, and, and it's one of those things actually whereas you 10 20 years ago you might have thought well I'm you know I know I'm buying this property I know who I'm going to rent it to and it's great tax is just something I can't avoid and, and, and therefore it'll be whatever it is well there's so many ways to um, you know reduce um, or put yourself into a more favorable um, tax position and it's even more important in the last couple of years, what's changed really is it's it's gone. It's the difference between paying a bit more tax or paying a bit less tax to you know boom bust. It's it's you you can actually taxation issues now for landlords can actually cause your otherwise healthy business model to completely fail. Um, so it's one of those things that you, you absolutely have to um, take into account. You need to do it first. You need to do it sooner rather than later, and certainly before you, you buy anything, if you can, because depending on what kind of structure you buy the property in, you may wish to buy it in your own name. You may wish to buy it through a, um, a company name. These things actually really, truly affect your tax position um, uh, more now than they, they, they have ever done before. Um, but also the things you need to consider, you know, we've talked about why, you, why you're buying this property, what do you want to, to do with it. Income distribution is one of those big things that, you know, you go to see an, an IFA, Independent Financial Advisor, and that's the kind of thing they'll talk about. You know, how do you want to take your money from this property, from this business? Um, how much do you need? Do you want it to build up over time? You know, what do you intend to do with it? Do you intend to reinvest it in the business? Do you need to take it out as, uh, as income and when? You know, those kind of things are um, hugely important and they will, you know, they, they can make... Uh, you know, hundreds of percent difference to your your net position over two or three decades. So you absolutely have to take them into account. But, you know, we talked about buying property for your children. You know, you may be investing in, in a property or helping your children out. You may be buying it outright so they can live in it while they're students. Are you planning to, is it, plan, are you planning for it to be part of your estate? Are you planning that your children will eventually inherit it? You need to think about inheritance tax and those kind of issues. Succession planning is, you know, is really important. You know, most of us, in fairness, you know, I suffer from this as well. Most of us, we just don't think enough about what will happen if, what will happen when I get old, what will happen if I die. You know, these things need to be thought of as early as possible. Mm. And that's absolutely why it's fundamental, you know, have a good tax and a good um, financial advisor um, on on board. Um, You know, like I said, it it can make huge amounts of difference over the course of of owning that property. Right. We've already touched on part B, haven't we? On, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, right. Well, so this is uh, this is the big big moment for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, well, Alex, thanks very much for uh, you know clearing up a, a lot of the points and some really useful stuff. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, you know initial motivation, and you, you touched on your own history there for becoming a landlord. Uh, about you know the thinking about the time that you can devote to it. Um, you know, what kind of letting agent you need to take on, that sort of stuff. And, you know, thinking really about the kind of property you want to buy uh, and, and where and and what kind of tenant you want to attract. So there's a lot of stuff there that we've got to, you know, get our teeth into and think about before we, we make that final decision about going into this as uh, 
potentially an income. But what's that one nugget of advice that you've been holding back on us, Alex? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not one to hold back, so I'll, I'll share. I'll share. Um, look, you know, one of the things we said: absolutely, you need a very, very good quality letting agent. You know, here at the right place, we are very, very good quality letting agents because we're long-term professional landlords um, as well. However. Because your legal responsibilities aren't completely absolved by using a letting agent, you know, my advice to people is always completely understand what you're getting into. And whoever you're working with, whoever you is looking after you, you know, always have your um, always consider your own position. Um, so one of the really important things that I'd advise anyone to do, whether they are been a landlord forever or whether they're thinking about being a landlord is join a landlords association okay we, we've really got two big national uh, landlords association the national landlords association is one and the residential landlords association is another and between them they represent the majority um of, of, of private landlords who are who, who are members of a um, a landlords association that's really important because how else uh, are your views how else um, are you represented at a national level at a government level you, know, you need to be represented it's almost like a trade you, know, you want to be represented by someone that truly understands you mm. um, and, and represents as many of your peers as possible um, but also if you've got one join a local or a regional landlords association we have one in Milton Keynes it's Milton Keynes Private Landlords Association you know, it's really important we represent landlords on a local level at a local authority level so we represent the interests of our landlords to Milton Keynes County council um, but it, the reason why it's really important to be a member of a local landlord association is because then you can take part in regular meetings meetups networking for landlords um, you know anyone that thinks wow this sounds like a daunting prospect this being a landlord thing you're right it is so my advice is surround yourself with people who perhaps got the same fears the same worries as well as people who've got a lot more skin in the game who can, can give you advice you know when you find that that you know a person that your people that you can call upon in the event of you being worried or, or, or something's really um, uh, bothering you you find that actually it just doesn't bother you anymore so you know what I've got that support network in place um, Milton Keynes Private Landlords Association we're not 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 not-for-profit organisation. Um, we have free levels of membership as well as paid level of, of membership. So you can become a member of MKPLA without spending a penny. You can still come to, to the events that, that we hold. You can still meet landlords. You can still like, get access to um, recommended suppliers, accredited partners, of which the right place is the accredited partner to Milton Keynes uh, Private Landlords Associations for lettings and management. Um, so you get access to all these fantastic services, access to all these fantastic people. And you find that, that thing that perhaps seemed daunting and you know scary to get into, actually when you start talking to people, you find, ah, do you know what, it's not scary anymore. I've got people that I can I can share my concerns with and I know that there are people out there that can help me. Alex, thanks so much for coming in from the right place. Thank and uh, how can people get hold of you and find out more about you if, they, if they've been listening to this and they've enjoyed your advice? Well, I hope they have. And obviously it'd be lovely to hit to hear from anyone that wants to get in touch they can call the office on 01908 904 334 um, or they can email me at uh, alex at uk. and the website I would guess is is www.therightplacemk.co.uk just yeah. the W's at the beginning yeah, exactly. there you go easy to remember yeah. so Alex thank you very much for coming in and giving us some awesome advice on being a landlord well thank you very much Neil I appreciate the opportunity look forward to the next one <laughs>